This is uh, Parking Lot Radio. I'm your host, Sunny Side Up, and we're here with my co-host, Rachel Bell, and we're interviewing Jeff Rickley, the founder of the band Thursday and No Devotion and United Nations. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Sonny. Yeah. I like that you call them a founder. Like founder. it's a business. Yeah, yeah they, they are businesses. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> maybe they aren't the best businesses, but... They are definitely. Damn, we're starting. <laughs> we're starting here. They are a respectful uh, <laughs> form of art. Small businesses, independent. That's yeah. right. Cottage industry. DIY, used to dude. Call it. Yeah, <laughs> DIY, exactly. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, Jeff Rickley also produced the first My Chemical Romance album, and a lot of videos of that have been going around lately, going viral, I guess, right? It reminded me that I used to be really young. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, videos of y'all in the studio or like the Yeah, the wow. recording of the first My Chemical Romance record. Yeah. Um, it also reminds me that I was dating our guitar player Steve's cousin at the time, and <laughs> I don't know if he knew about it right then. Oh. Was happening. He, he knows now, right? <laughs> but he knows now okay, that he's good. seen those videos. No, no <laughs> he knew. He knew. He knew. It's funny because when I watch it, I was like, damn, they're so young. And, like, and I knew who you were even back then. Yeah. So then I was thinking, damn, I must have been so fucking young. Yeah, I was about to say, how old were you? <laughs> I was probably like 13 when that was happening or something. What was the first album? Um, I brought you my bullets. You brought me your Oh, love. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what it's mm-hmm. called? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's a really dope album, obviously. Um, did you, was that the first thing that you produced that wasn't with Thursday? Uh, yeah, it was the first thing that I, I produced at all. Um, I didn't produce the Thursday stuff, but... I did, um, the way that we knew our producers was I did intern in the studio before Thursday. So from the oh, time right. I was like 16, I was doing oh. like 90 hours a week in the studio. What? Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and, uh, I was obsessed. So, you know, watching, I would watch like a hawk, how all the records got made, even if they weren't Thursday records. And, um, the thing that I gravitated towards wasn't like hanging the mics or sweeping the mic, you know, the amp combs to make sure that they... <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the the amp cones to make sure that you got the right part of the frequency. It was, I really, really took to the vocal coaching, hmm. you know, um, guiding people through their melodies, guiding them through the different moods that they could sing them in, you know, trying to provoke a response, an emotional response. I yeah. don't think that's like a in-studio like role that I've ever even considered. Yeah, I think that that's a, it's a pretty big part of some producers, but not all producers mm. jobs. So it just depends on, you know, how old school uh, you get a producer and that stuff like that. Yeah, I guess it also depends on, like, if the person needs that or if you think they need it or what your relationship is mm. with that person mm-hmm. and, like, what your working relationship yeah. is like with them. Well, the great um, thing, too, is, uh, you know, if they don't need it and they're really good already, then, you, then you've really got, like, a lot of room to to provoke them and see what else comes out if yeah. they're already good and that was the case with Gerardo he was already, I could tell he was pretty good but he was so shy at first and once he started opening up it was it was one of those things where I I remember I remember very clearly and I don't know if I'm jumping in too, too early here to this stuff no, but no. I remember really clearly that Gerard had a, a, a tooth that was like coming out it was like rotten or something mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. and the dentist had given him uh, like a bunch of narcotic painkillers. Mm-hmm. And so he was singing kind of like loopy and dopey. <laughs> yeah. And I remember Alex, who owned Eyeball Records at the time, just like slapping him right where the tooth hurt, taking Ooh. away the painkillers and being like, you should be in pain. Like, <laughs> oh don't numb yeah. this down, you yeah. know? <laughs> and that was like, yeah, it was he, it was ruining his performances. <laughs> but then I ended up with the bottle of pills. 
And so I remember <laughs> like while I was seeing how good he was, I was like a little bit high. And I remember turning to Mikey, his brother, who's in the band as well, and yeah. saying like, yo, you guys are going to be huge. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, you think we're going to be like Thursday big? <laughs> and I was like, dude, you're going to be like, good charlotte big. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too big. i was like dude he was, he didn't believe me he was like we'll never be as big as good charlotte i was like i think you're gonna be bigger okay i just want to say like <laughs> i consider thursday bigger than good charlotte maybe at the maybe time. now yeah 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 but they had like platinum records and yeah stuff, yeah that's you know true I mean? they had radio hits we were yeah. kind of like weirdos yeah they were very like uh radio T- friendly trl for sure. uh, oh, true. all that stuff yeah, yeah. Were you guys, uh, you guys were never on TRL. I think you guys were like on MTV2 at that time a lot, right? Yeah, we were like MTV2 darlings, but we did do, we did do one of those. I think we were like, yeah, I think we're on TRL, but it was so brief. I don't, I actually don't know if it was supposed to be brief or they talked to us for five minutes and they were like, who are these nerds? (laughs) You know what I mean? Because we were just like so young and kind of like, you know, we had never gotten media training. We weren't like, we weren't, we weren't ready to, be on MTV. Yeah. yeah. So we would just kind of be like, I, I don't know. And then, <laughs> let's say I don't know on it's like MTV. Not like great TV, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So like Thursday is almost uh, 25 years old now, right? What, yeah. what are we at? Like 23 years? 98. So yeah, we're at 24. Yeah. 24 years. Jesus. What's it's been such a it's been such a crazy like last 10 years even. Yeah. Because like I remember in 2010, I think you guys were like calling it quits. It was right? 11, but yeah. 2011. Yeah. And uh, everyone's like, oh, Thursday is breaking up. And then a few years later, you guys got back together. 16, yeah. And then, again, you guys you were like, were like, these are the final shows again. We're done. And then, yeah. and then how did it, like, how did it revamp again after Because <laughs> you guys, so you guys invited me. You guys invited me to, like, the final shows. They're like, we want you to come. You guys invited me. I was so fucking stoked. I was like, yeah. There. I was <laughs> like, yeah, I can't, I can't keep doing this. And then this Sonny so was crazy. like, it's actually, and then you guys were like, it's actually not the final show. Sonny, yeah. sorry, like, I know you. We're done when I say we're I keep, done. I keep trying to break up the band because I'm, like, a huge Cure fan. And, like, yeah. basically every tour, <laughs> he breaks up the band. No, it's not, like, it's not, it, it's not conscience, conscious like that, but I do get very stressed out by how hard we go when we're on tour. You know, every yeah. every show we have this pact of like, this is the last show. Play <laughs> it like it's the last show. Leave it all right. on the stage, you know. And so I was like, this is good. Like the reunion tours, like the celebration, of the 20 years of being a band, like this is perfect. It's you a good know, note. like let's yeah. leave it here. Yeah. And as soon as we tried, uh, then my chemical romance were like no way dude we're gonna get back together you have to play with <laughs> us you're our favorite band you're our, like big brothers like Aww. you gotta play with us and also what are you stupid like we're <laughs> just basically like you're bigger than you've ever been now why would you stop now that's crazy yeah and so uh wow the student has become the master so, oh yeah clearly <laughs> they're way smarter than we are <laughs> yeah. dang i remember um i like was thinking about anything i wanted to talk to you about today and I just wanted to tell you about the first time I heard of Thursday, okay. which was I was in sixth grade in nice. the lunchroom <laughs> and there was a guy who was like, I think an eighth grader and I thought he was really cute. He was like edgy, you know, mm-hmm. and he was wearing a Thursday shirt and I like developed a crush on him. And As just, edgy boys do. Mm, yeah, <laughs> of course. That's how I knew he was edgy actually by the graphic tee. But um, that's why I listened to Thursday. I like went, sorry, got it off LimeWire. 
Yeah, everybody, every, <laughs> literally everybody did. Yeah. I think we got paid more from LimeWire than we do now, so it's, it's okay. I remember you, like, I saw you guys at Warp Tour one time. I think it was in New Jersey. I'm not sure. I think it was, like, uh, English Town Raceway, like, 2004, maybe. Yeah. And you were just like, hey, guys, uh, download our music. We don't care. Yeah. Wow, okay, cool. So I actually was not, I was doing something that was okay. It yeah. was like, fuck it, <laughs> download it. We don't care. I don't buy it. Do whatever you want. I yeah, was like, I mean, we, yeah, we had been, we had been in such bad contracts. Mm. Right. We were just like, why do we care if the label makes any money or not? Yeah. How old were you when you put out your first record? 19. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. I was watching some. I uh, was not doing anything cool at 19. <laughs> I, I was watching some, I was watching a documentary about uh, the guys who recorded you first. Like, Sal, I mean, not about them. It was Sal. about you guys, but Sal and those guys. And Tim. And Tim. And they were talking about how like the first album with you guys they were like oh I don't, we don't know what's going on here and then like the second mm-hmm. album they're like holy shit this is really like like they didn't get it really at first yeah. yeah the first album was like a favor to me because i had worked there forever yeah you know and oh, so um, they were just kind of giving you a chance yeah and there was one song like i remember when we recorded this side of brightness they all kind of looked at each other like is this this is kind of good yeah. <laughs> like you know what i mean but they were still sort of like there's no way He's our intern. Yeah, There's you no were like little brother, brother yeah. mode. They had like so many like offensive nicknames for me working in the studio, you know, because like Stormtroopers of Death and like all these like all New York hardcore bands recorded there before us. Yeah. It was all like hardcore bands. Like who? Uh, Agnostic Front. And nice. like, yeah, it, there were, you know, a lot and, of. And these guys were just the produce, like the, like the engineers or producers for that kind of music or all kind of music that came through. Yeah. So Sal was in Murphy's Law and he was like, oh, at wow. the time was like a hardcore producer, but yeah. he was always. I worked for him, so I knew he was interested in so much music. It wasn't just that, you know. Yeah. And Tim, who owned the studio and mixed all our, our early records um, and just passed away. Um, all right. He's, yeah, he's a genius. Um, quite a personality. He was like the loudest person in any room you could put him in. <laughs> uh, he was giant and he had a huge loud voice and he was like a prog rock guy. Yeah. Wow. So a lot of the crazier stuff that we were trying he was like oh well i've heard something like that before and i think what you want to do is he was a drummer too he'd be like i think you want to put that guitar part on the downbeat of this measure and then on the transition when you're going into three for a second and all this stuff that we (laughs) didn't know what we were doing he knew what we were doing like the theory like yeah yeah yeah." he'd be like that's cool but you're in the wrong key for that if you're going to do that then you got to switch to (laughs) this key here yeah like you're playing three four and you're playing six eight so (laughs) he kind of just like took all the chaos that was happening he's like this could make sense yeah. It takes a prog rock guy to do that, I yeah. think. And it was cool because it put me in a position where I was I was the opposite end of the spectrum where I was like this is punk rock, it should be chaos. Mm. Right. And he was like it's it's prog rock, it's new wave, you sound like the cure and yes and like King Crimson and you're doing all this weird stuff you don't even know what it is. Right. <laughs> it should be controlled. And right. so fighting with chaos and control on the mm. two ends, it was like it put us in a good place. Yeah, yeah I was know? just thinking like I was listening to in high school I was listening to like you know, choking victim and stuff like that. And like mm-hmm. some of my favorite of that kind of music sounded like literally no one produced it. Totally. So to hear you talking about like, I, there was like a leftover crack album that sounded like they used a tin can as an yeah. amp. Like, <laughs> yeah. So. And our first record came out on the same label as like, you know, um, I hate God and stuff like that. Yeah. And all the shows that I used to do in my basement were like his hero is gone and all kinds, you know, all kinds of really truly chaotic stuff. And yeah. I always saw Thursday as being one of those kinds of bands mm. and nobody else did. <laughs> but it like, sh- it's sort of like, it shows you why, like 
I thought we were that kind of band. And mm-hmm. so like there's a lot of really weird chaotic elements in the music, even though like a lot of our contemporaries who are closer to the kind of stuff we play don't put those elements in. Yeah. It's because I didn't I didn't know what genre. Influence. No, I just literally didn't know what we were doing until people would be like, You guys sound like this and I'd be like, No, we don't. <laughs> I think like uh, the, the the verse in uh, Understanding in a Car Crash was the first time I ever heard like guitars and and like like you're saying like prog prog elements used in like uh, or like uh, that context I guess it was very uh, it was just something so new that I'd never heard before where is that like something that you guys heard before like in the hardcore scene because mm. it was like I think like I don't know that song. That song's the second one I heard from you guys. The first one I heard was Crossed Out the Eyes and I saw the video on MTV. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, this shit is fucking lit. <laughs> the video the video is really, really cool. And I was actually watching it the other day and it still like looks so good. But what was I talking about? Oh, uh, the, oh, the verse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like the first verse with like the bass and the guitars going crazy. Like yeah. with all those like effects and everything. So the the way that I saw it, because I didn't acknowledge any of the prog stuff for a long time. And then I kind of came around a real, like after the fact, I was like, oh yeah, I, I know what he means. That does kind of sound like a Ken Crimson part or something. You know, oh, that does sound like early Genesis, like oh, whatever. Genesis. So, um, but the way that I saw it was like, so all the bands that we would have through, you know, if it was like Seisha, you and I, if it was Orchid or like Reversal of Man, you know, all these bands, like all played like this really chaotic stuff mm. but we were all like really into like like gothy stuff too mm. none of the bands sounded like that but we were all super into joy division and the cure and yeah. Bauhaus and Susie and the banshees and um i just thought like i bet we could put some of that in to you the music so that was yeah that was kind of my idea was to like put some of the chaos against the like romantic side mm. of the kind of goth stuff and um well, it's cool because then, like, yeah. even though you sort of ascribe it to, like, not understanding your own genre, all these young people listening to it, it makes them want to go seek out stuff that sounds like that. So you're, like, yeah. getting people excited about music maybe they wouldn't try to listen to otherwise. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a positive spin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw you, I, I think the first time we met, we both went to, like, a clan's casino. Oh, yeah. Oh. Her, yeah. What year was, was that? Was that the super late one? It was, or? like... I think it was like 20, uh, 2016. Whoa. Okay. Or something like that. Yeah. Was that the one at the like Shemansky's or wherever? Or was it the no. earlier one at... Um, yeah, I think it was like the early... It was on the place on uh, Wyckoff Avenue. The the cool like artsy DIY yeah. space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. show was amazing. Yeah. Wait, was. what was the venue? Um, I forgot what it's called. It's like a really wow. small venue. Like I think it's near Ridgewood, right? Trans Pecos. Yeah, Trans Pecos. Yes, thank exactly. you. Wow. I was like, why can't I remember? Clams Casino played Trans Pecos, and it was, and it was so during good. his peak. Also, it wasn't yeah. like that's yeah. crazy. No, it was like he played like I'm God and everything. It was oh, like shit. it was unreal. Yeah, that song is ridiculous. Did, did he like sample you one time or something? Yeah, his first on the first Clams Casino EP, he sampled my voice from uh, this song brought to you by a falling bomb. Wow, nice. Um, which I had had the EP on vinyl because we were friends with um, my partner and I were friends with Robin who did Triangle Records. Mm. And uh, so we had the vinyl of the thing and we had listened to it a bunch and loved it and I never knew it was me. Are you serious? And uh, and I... Did you distort it or how could... I think I just like tweeted about like Clams Casino or whatever. It's it's like pitch shifted down. It's like chopped oh, yeah, and yeah. screwed kind of, yeah. you know. And um, somebody was like, uh, it's only because your voice is on it. And I was like... Wait, ah. what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea. And then I went back and I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely me. 
in uh, on <laughs> that song I'm God, that big one they had. That's Imogen Heap, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, love that. That's, which I think may have been a little bit of an issue for a minute there. Oh, really? Like um, they didn't clear it because it wasn't on. It wasn't on streaming for a yeah, really long it w- time. It just oh. became available like a few years ago on streaming. And it said when it became available on streaming, featuring Imogen Heap. So I think probably behind the scenes some like negotiation. That's probably what took a while for it to get on yeah. there. Ariana Grande covered an Imogen Heap song on oh, an album yeah. she put out a few she years ago. She did like Hide and Seek or something. No, right? she did Good Night and Go. Oh, Good Night. I remember and go. the tracklist came out and I was like. Good night and go. There's she no way it. this is an Imogen Heap interpolation or whatever, and it was. She ruined it. <laughs> I, I, I heard that once. I didn't like it. She added a, a verse, yeah. Do you feel like she's always been an Imogen Heap fan, or like is she somebody who possibly like heard I don't know. She's the like Clans a, Casino one and was like, oh, Possible, shit. yeah. yeah. I mean, she's like, this a, voice? she's like a theater kid, low-key, so I feel like it's yeah. possible. It would track. Right, like a Disney yeah. theater kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so um, when you were making Full Collapse, was that your first time screaming? Is, is that you like screaming and all like the parts and everything well i we had a screamy parts on the first record on waiting right um but they were they i guess they sound a little different <laughs> yeah i yeah i mean to me full collapse is a much much better there you know there are some people who are like waiting and i'm just like oh, what <laughs> like there are things that i like about waiting but it's so clear to me like full collapse is like a quantum leap forward from oh, waiting. Yeah. you know what i mean yeah definitely um, but no everybody everybody screams on um on full collapse tom's on there steve's on there and then on cross out the eyes like at the end of cross out the eyes that's that's my old roommate tom um who is in a great band that's playing with us when we play uh we're playing a a show in jersey with with them they're called hundreds of au Mm. and his band at the time when we were living together was a band called you and i Mm. and they were like this classic like new jersey hardcore scramsy whatever you want to call it kind of thing um you know they influenced everybody and you know i just did a piece on seisha getting back together this and another basement band and they were talking about like it's so crazy we were practically on you and i's coattails the whole time we were a band (laughs) and now we're like suddenly selling out all these shows it's really weird that people aren't like you and i were the yeah the best but anyway tom tom uh did a lot of the screams on cross out the eyes and you know he's got an amazing voice i love his voice yeah I really like uh, I really like this subject matter that you guys talk about in I mean I'm th- I'm talking about Thursday now not uh mm-hmm. I like the no devotion subject matter but it's a little different yeah mm-hmm. for but, sure uh, uh, the the like the subject matter in Thursday you really like you're not tackling things that like an emo band would usually talk about or stuff like that yeah um were, were you like I guess you probably didn't think you were even making emo you you were just <laughs> right you weren't just like this is how emo <laughs> yeah. should be you're just like okay this is what I'm gonna say. Like what were you I, thinking when you when you kind of go into like the poetic uh, mm-hmm. the poetic type vibe where maybe there's like a lot more metaphorical not so direct mm-hmm. uh, vocals like we're used to in that kind of music. Mm-hmm. So you know when when we were all doing the band and stuff, I was still in school and I was, I was you know going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, that's what I was going for. But my concentration, English. you know, was English and poetry in particular. So a lot of my classes. At the time, uh, I had this really amazing, there was this amazing honors program at Rutgers uh, Livingston campus where if you joined it and tested to a certain level, you had no required classes. Nice. You just have to so I just go took around all being electives. smart. <laughs> yeah. I wow. took like poetry, dance in the body. It was like one of the classes I Whoa. took, like a course called literature, the other at the time uh, that taught Edward Said and Orientalism and um, you know, read a lot of James Baldwin and just really that time period, like I, I was thinking a lot about 
narrative and who gets to have a voice. Um, this is like 98, 99. Mm. Um, I had a really wonderful thesis advisor named Miguel Aldrin, um, and he had a place called, before he passed away, he had a place called the New Yorican Poets Cafe. And um, so he got me really, you know, he just, these people were like really like opening my mind a lot about what what writing could be, what it could do. And um, influence the lyrics a lot. Yeah. So around the time of Full Collapse, I was writing a thesis about uh, about narration in lyrics. Oh, nice. And so uh, Full Collapse was the result of a lot of that. And there's, you know, the main perspective is a collective perspective on Full Collapse. You know, most of the lyrics are we, you know, mm. if we run far away, mm. all that kind of stuff. And so the few times that I comes into it are really like different poignant moments. And I think like that's one of the reasons why that I don't want to feel this way forever in hits. understanding a car crash hits is because there's no other like I on the record. Mm. So for a moment, like the real feelings of the, of the narrator, the singer, whatever you want to call it, break through. Um, I never even thought of that. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I texted Sonny like an hour before I left to come and I was like, I knew about Thursday, but I didn't really know anything about you as a person. Uh -huh. And I was like looking at Wikipedia and it was like cites Bolaño as an influence. And like it made it clear that you were kind of like a poetry head. And I got really excited <laughs> about it because that's fucking cool. Yeah, and Ra Rachel's I'm, a poetry. Uh, what do you do? I guess poet. Yeah. Po awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poetry. Uh, a poetry, poetry head. poet. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I just got excited. That was really cool to hear you talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I, I love that stuff. I love I love what you can do with words, uh, mm. you know. I think that there's there's one school of philosophy that sort of says that language comes before reality. Mm. You know, you would think something happens and people came up with a word to describe it. But then there are other things that because people came up with a word for them, the idea spread and it mm. became a new reality for other people because suddenly they had a concept. They had access to the concept that they didn't have before. That's something to work on. Yeah, ability to talk about it too. Yeah. So like, you know, the famous story that everybody uses to illustrate this is melancholy. Mm. As soon as the word melancholy came about, yeah. when right. they coined it as a word, everybody had it. Yeah. Right. All when, of a sudden. <laughs> as soon as they knew what it was, they're like, I have that. Right. It's like when, it's <laughs> yeah. like when the ADD dropped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> New word dropped, everybody get in. <laughs> everyone are, has it. Um, can I ask who some of your favorite poets to read are? Yeah, currently, um, Matthew Dickman is my favorite mm. uh, living poet, and he has a, a beautiful book about um, the suicide of his older brother called Mayakovsky's Revolver. Mm. And uh, it's so unbelievably lyrical and beautiful. And he actually has a twin brother who's also a poet. Whoa. So two twin poet brothers, and they were also the precogs in Minority Report when they were like young no kids. way yeah. what is that the two have you seen that movie that tom cruise movie i did but i don't they were in the, the little kids in the like, oh, in the cool. jelly the ones yeah. who aren't agnes or these two yeah, exactly agnes yeah. and i watched it really recently <laughs> so they're both like incredible poets that's are they are they from new england that sounds like some new england stuff they're from portland but the one brother teaches in you know, yeah i'm just yeah, saying like yeah. having twin sons who are both poets professionally yeah. <laughs> oh yeah for a while they were all in like the new yorker and stuff and yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. twin po you know it was like a whole thing yeah um but i also really i think um our poet laureate uh, tracy k smith she's unbelievable yeah you know the stuff about her father and the hubble telescope is is really fantastic oh, yeah. um in a little bit of a different uh twist 
Mm. That I think some people would say is pros. Uh, I think Darcy Wilders literally show me. A I just person. texted her this morning. She's the best. Darcy's I was reading. Uh, mm-hmm. I was reading Thomas Merton book on the train this morning, mm-hmm. and uh, she recently got confirmed as a Catholic. And so I was texting right. her about it because I knew that she would uh, like some of the stuff I was reading. That's so funny. I'll tell her you said that. Yeah, <laughs> I um, I know her a little bit, but it was the case. Like I've had so many other times where. I just was kind of obsessed with her books. So I was yeah. like, I'm going to become her friend somehow. Yeah, she's great. It's <laughs> um, a good book. Yeah, I, I read her book, and then after I read it, I gifted it to someone who really needed to read it. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. nice. Yeah. I think I gave it to that person at the right time because after they hit me up, they're like, yeah, thank you for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, a book can do that. Yeah, and I'm I'm really not a book reader, but everyone was, like, talking about that book when it dropped, so yeah. I had to, I had to it was, check it out. It's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you reading right now? I wanted to ask you before, but I also wanted to ask you on the pod, so I held it in. Well, I was a little, um, oh, what am I reading over there? I think it's called The Great Believers. Some hardcover. It's, re- I, I got it from the library. Ooh. When a book gets to be a certain amount of famous, and yeah. I know that the authors made their money off of it, then I'm like, okay, I can. Join the 62-person waiting list <laughs> yeah, at, the, exactly. at the library. Because <laughs> I don't feel bad anymore, but if it's like a small book, like, yeah. I'm going to buy it. Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Authors don't make anything anyway, so uh, true that. <laughs> but let's see, what do I really like? I, I've been reading a lot because I was sick. We had to cancel some shows, and I was pretty sick. Mm. Um, so I read the Flamethrowers by Rachel Kushner, which is great. Mm. Um, I read the. N- mm, I'm not going to talk about that one. It's too insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chelsea Hodson's uh, Tonight oh, on Someone Else yeah. is like really that's like a big, a big one for me. I really love that book. Yeah, I mean, I've been reading a bunch of old stuff. I haven't read anything contemporary what have you been reading? in a while. I read uh, Lady Chatterley's Lover by nice. D.H. Lawrence. Hot. Re- yeah, super <laughs> yeah, hot, super dude. Hot. And then I read about all the obscenity scandals all across the world. Um, <laughs> and then I read uh, My Antonia by Willa Cather. Okay, I haven't and, read that. And it's really nice. It's really good. Um, and then uh, Of Human Bondage by Somerset Maugham. So I've been in a certain time period for a long time. <laughs> and now I we're in that. Thomas Merton land. <laughs> yeah, you're keeping it real. Yeah, for real. I got really into um, I got really into through Darcy and through one of her friends Carvel Wallace. Mm. Um, I got into Joy Williams. Yeah, I'm obsessed, I'm obsessed with. Yeah. That. Oh, and you mentioned James Baldwin. I just read uh, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Oh yeah, is that what it is. Yeah. As a pastor's daughter, that was a good oh, one. Oh, <laughs> look at that. All right. <laughs> Didn't know going into it that that's what we were dealing with. So. <laughs> I wish I knew what you guys were talking about. It's okay. <laughs> we're going deep over yeah, here. Everyone deep. Um, I, I don't. Yeah. Sorry, I, I just don't have the knowledge. Right. You know everything about Thursday that I don't, so we're, we're even. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And I think we all... I think Jeff... Do you know Darcy knows. also, too? I right? I, I know her, but... Met? No. I know her, but I don't know if I've ever... I've probably met her one time or two times, okay. but, like, we follow each other on Twitter. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 you guys were both at that um, the, the music hall of Williamsburg show that we played. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, that's dope. I did a reading with her, like, three months ago maybe and it was the first time we had seen each other in like two or three years and or talked and um it's really nice to see her so she seems to be doing real good yeah she's doing great it seems yeah. like yeah. i haven't seen her in a minute but yeah those shows i really like i listened to the uh to the live albums that have been coming out really good from those shows yeah yeah oh it's from those yeah it's from it's those from particular the shows oh the ones now. you were yeah. at yeah yeah nice wait you have some shows coming up because we the... had four in a row there so mm-hmm. that gave us Four options. It gave us the nights to get it wrong or whatever. You yeah, know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was, <laughs> damn. So it was, I mean, it was, you always get it wrong, but it's like, which out of these four yeah, is do best? Yeah, want to choose? Right. Was it, so it was like two nights of Full Collapse and two nights of... Uh, yeah. So the Full Collapse one yeah. and the War All the Time one were both from there. Yeah. 
Um, the thing that's interesting about the live records, I think, is, uh, you know, a lot of people now treat live ac- records like a re-release of the record. Right. Mm. Just, it's like all fixed up. It's all oh, cleaned yeah. up. It's all produced and it's, it doesn't yeah. even sound like it a live. Sound live. Yeah. So we would be like... That's what I liked about yours. Oh, man. This is this is a big fuck up in this song, but like that's live music. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? No. A bit realistic. I yeah. like that you guys had, a, I think, was there a mic on the crowd? Uh, I think one of our mics, the first night, one of our mics from either the drums or the guitar cabinet just like ended up into, like it was right. like kicked towards the crowd mm-hmm. and afterwards our engineer was like let's put this in we gotta keep yeah. this here this is great i love i love when That's you can hear crowd noise on live music yeah. like it doesn't no, hit the it, same it definitely like it definitely gave me like oh fuck i, I was like oh, i love that they left the crowd in yeah. <laughs> it was like a mistake. they left the mic in the crowd actually oh yeah. man sometimes when you leave i love when you like like when somebody actually grab like because you know you give it out to the crowd to sing sometimes somebody will pull it yeah and then you listen back to a recording of it. Yeah. It's like, you didn't even know what the lyrics were. But you grab the <laughs> mic with the confidence. Right. I want some of that. Com- I'm going to have to get some I of that. I feel like confidence. I would be like sent, like saying secrets. I'd be like, hey, forever who's listening to this later. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love that idea. That's a great Leave idea. a message, you know? <laughs> have you guys ever played a show like after, after let's say, I guess we'll say after uh, War All the Time. Where like you guys just like bombed or like every song was just like kidding yeah bad and you're just like oh oh oh, I thought you were saying on the album I was like Sunny that's so mean no (laughs) we're talking about live have you ever played a show got it yeah and it was like you can feel that like people looking at you like damn this isn't good or did you what what were you thinking when that happens (laughs) there was like a year of shows maybe 2009 or 10 somewhere around there uh, where. We were playing better as a band than we had ever played. We were on fire. Mm. And it was like every night we'd go out in front of the crowd and they'd look at us like we were high. <laughs> it was so weird. Why? Because they weren't used to it? I don't know what was going on. Maybe it was that we were still trying to like do kind of weird. Like mm. we had started doing what we thought was like a weird experimental idea. And yeah. once that caught on and other bands were doing what we had been doing two years earlier, we were like, let's well, boring now. We got to keep pushing and find yeah. something new but we had pushed past what like our crowd wanted to hear from us i think mm. and then we had also ended up on tour with the like younger bands who were like like sort of taking the style yeah and making it more pop so we would end up on tour like with bring me the horizon before us yeah and there'd be like three thousand kids in the room <laughs> and then we'd play and there was one night where so many people left that I was like, I'm gonna count how many people are left while I'm singing, because like I'm so I know the lyrics yeah. so well that I don't even have to think; they just come out. Yeah. So I was counting, and like halfway through the fifth song, I was like, 125. Wow. There were 3,000 people here, and now there's 125. They came for the opening band. Five. I guess. I mean, I mean, it was like a huge lineup. So right. there were like five bands before us. Oh right? yeah. And then one night, and this was also the most demeaning part of it, was like. This tour was sponsored by Denny's. What the fuck is up, Denny's? Um, <laughs> and we'd have to go after the shows to Denny's to Denny's on certain nights, where they would like have the like the crowd come to Denny's and watch us eat. It was so horrible. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like the last thing you want to do after a show. Be watched eating. And yeah. They, and their thing was like they had an up all night menu, which had like an understanding and an omelet or whatever. You know what I mean? Oh, they would have like one thing like. Oh, they after. love okay. those punny menu yeah. items. Understanding yeah. and omelet. You know, I don't, it was something like that. But um, 
And I, I remembered, so I would sit, th- and the thing is, it was all Bring Me the Horizons fans who would come to watch them eat mm. and like scream and cry and stuff. Yeah. And like, I'd be sitting there just eating and watching the whole thing unfold. <laughs> and I'd see people wearing Thursday shirts. Mm. And I'd be like, hey, do you like that band? And they'd be like, what band? And I'd be like, the one, the shirt that you're wearing, you know? And they'd be yeah. like, oh no, this isn't a band. It's just a shirt that I liked. They, was, they were selling at the show tonight. And I'd be like, <laughs> oh. there was a band, the headliner band. They're like, this is the headliner band. And I'd be like, no, didn't you see on the, on the flyer, on Thursday. the poster Thursday? The- and the answer that I got was, no, that's just because today is Thursday. And I was like, today is Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where it had gotten to in 2010. It was in this weird in-between oh place God. where like we were too big mm. to play these small shows. But when we played too big with like bands that didn't have the context, we'd yeah. start playing the fans who just like didn't know, didn't care. And we yeah. weren't part of the thing that was happening at the moment. It was like a really bad period for us. And we bombed a lot. And I would always know it was going to be a bad show. If I turned around... And I just had like a fallen look on my face and Tucker did this. He would be asking me from the look on my face if I was just punching into work that night. Oh. Right. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh man, I am. I'm just working tonight. Like this isn't, I don't want to be mean, here. I mean, if you're able to count to 125 <laughs> while you're singing the song. Yeah, then you're just working. And that was like, I think that was part, of, that wasn't why we stopped playing in mm. 2011. Like there was like a thing that happened that we don't really talk about, but it was like a really tough thing happened to the band. Mm. One of the members' health went really bad. And um, so it was like not even a choice really. Yeah. But for the year before that, every day I was like, I can't believe I'm still doing this when like nobody cares and like well, I'm away be, from my family. Like what yeah. am I doing? This is stupid. It must be frustrating, especially because you said that like, you were playing together as a band better than ever and it just yeah. like wasn't resonating. Yeah, that was mm. tough. Yeah. Damn. Like, which made you f- kind of think like, does it even matter? And this is the thing too, yeah. we play with big bands who like, you know, we had been on tour for like 700 days or whatever, you know, and just killing it. And we'd be on tour with bands who like seemed like they never practiced once. Mm. They were killing it and we'd just be like, oh, it doesn't really matter if Turns you're good out. at this. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you play good. Yeah. It just matters if the people are there want to see you or not. If yeah. they're having fun and yeah. if yeah. they want to be there. And so like, I think there was just a certain amount of disillusionment because we were all sort of like working class kids that we just thought like you could work really hard and do really well yeah. right? or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like at the point at which we realized like, oh, this is sort of our job. Mm. We were like, well, then we should work really hard. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and that was like a total. That's like some you're American pulling yourself myth. up by your bootstraps. Yeah, some American myth <laughs> of like meritocracy or whatever. Yeah. Um that we were, you know, suburban enough to fall for. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, and then the break was great for us. You know what I mean? Like people got healthy and um, and we got along again, and we sort of just went back into it being like, if we're not having fun, we're not going to do it. Yeah, and that's it. Hell yeah. You know, because yeah. we had all worked jobs in between. We we're like, jobs are easy. <laughs> compared you to know, this like, yeah compared to like putting yourself out there every night like yeah. to be ridiculed what, or kind, what kind of work did yeah. you do when you weren't um so i had a few different jobs i i worked in a kitchen um i worked in a kitchen store which is where i met my partner mm. um she bought like a spatula off me and it was like for me it was love at first sight she doesn't remember it very well but Aww. uh for me i was like i was smitten um <laughs> and uh and then I, I ran a record label for a while. And then after the record label, 
I worked in PR for a little bit. Hmm. Interesting. You're well yeah. spoken. I feel like you'd be good at that. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. So I I posted the uh, the new Anthony Green thing on my story the other day, and you commented that you that you are you're into oh, yeah. it. The new it's Anthony so Green good. album. It's so fun. The whole good. record. That first song. Oh my god. The first song. It's like uh, he's I don't know. He's he really switched it up with this album. I listened to like all his stuff, but it's so different. And if kind of like the 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 chords coming in feels kind of like a victorious like mm. like someone coming out of a war and like <laughs> like kind of winning yeah i just think like that's what i think about when i heard that <laughs> i've always loved anthony and i've loved how i've always loved how weird a lot of his stuff is yeah but hearing him just write these like classic sounding like they feel like you've known them forever songs yeah. that are just like great lyrics great Insane. subject matter amazing melodies straight to the point like it blew me away. Yeah, yeah. Me too. the way you describe it, it sounds a lot better than like my instinct just to say catchy because catchy right. doesn't sound like it has right. any mastery in it. But yeah, what you're saying absolutely is what it is. Yeah, he just cut to the the heart of the matter, you know, in in that way of like, uh, you know, when a poet can be very spare, mm, yeah. but it just tells the story the way it needed to be told, and you yeah. go like, dang, I would have like, done that. Two yeah. words you don't expect in places you don't expect, and it just yeah hits hard. Yeah, yeah, I I love writers who um don't ever use like a like a big word yeah and just get you oh yeah because they put it right i think that like so many people are turned off by like poetry because it doesn't seem accessible to them so like doing it in accessible language is sick (laughs) i uh yeah Yeah. i was also impressed that he used he managed to like use horns without making it sound like ska i was disappointed it didn't sound like ska really no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> were you were you ever a ska kid i wasn't no, no, no but now either. that i'm older i think like of course i wasn't a ska kid i was so fucking serious and so sad <laughs> all the time, time like, yeah like i'd see that stuff and i'd be disgusted and now i'm like man look at all these kids actually having fun yeah. right <laughs> like i'm so jealous <laughs> it's yeah. like uh what they say it's like pizza party music <laughs> it is it is it's total pizza party music i've and, like, never heard that before <laughs> i do like a little bit of a show sometimes for up rocks like i have this little video mm. thing that i do for them very short episodes you know like three minutes or something but we do like maybe like an hour and 20 minutes of like interview to get those three minutes or whatever. <laughs> and uh, we did Jeff Rosenstock. Who's that? Uh, he's like the ska revival. He's the, he's the Oh, guy. is he the guy like, he like, do, he makes like videos? He's, um his band was called like Bomb the Music Industry, but his oh, okay. solo stuff is like way bigger. He opened up for us at the, um when we did the free McCarran Park show. Mm-hmm. The big when one. When was that? It was like, uh, it was Brooklyn Magazine has a festival called Northside Festival. Yeah, yeah. And so like in 2017, maybe, or 16, we headlined Sunday. Sick. Yeah, it was like, I think like Miguel did the night before. Oh, and wow. like, um, who's that amazing saxophonist? Um, oh, Wait. He plays with Thundercat a lot. Is it name? Kamasi Washington? Kamasi Washington. Yeah. Headlined the other night. Sick. Damn. And so it was like, it was great. Three free shows in McCarran Park, you know, yeah. over by the tennis courts. Yeah. And Jeff Rosenstock opened for us oh, at those yeah. shows. And I was like, is Scott good? Or is he just <laughs> so good that or, I'm like questioning? Or am I just like less de- like depressed than <laughs> yeah, I used yeah, to yeah. be? I have a basically happy life. I like walked to a show today from my house. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, it was cool. I've, they haven't done that in a few years, I don't think. Obviously COVID, but. Yeah, but also Brooklyn Magazine went under for a second. I think they're yeah. back now though. So 
I think they did it in Prospect this year, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, That's cool. It was like Twin Sister played. and They couldn't call it Northside Fest, though. No, it was just like <laughs> Brooklyn Northside Magazine or... <laughs> Festival, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> one thing uh, one thing really cool about you, I remember one time, I, I think it was at like a Thrice show in like 2003. Wow, Thrice. And like, it was like Thrice, Under Oath, and uh, I forgot who else. But I think you like came to the show and like did like some like guest vocals or something. Oh, dang. I think I've seen you like a few times... Just like come out and like just pop in when someone's like playing a New York show and just just do some vocals. Yeah, I'm there. How does I, that? I always do with how does that when, go down? When Jer when Touche Amore comes through, oh, I yeah. always do it with them. Well, you have um, a song with them, right? Yeah, and I put out that first record of theirs. Like oh, I've yeah. known Jeremy since he was like 16. He yeah. had one of the first Thursday fan clubs. It's insane. That's so <laughs> yeah. sweet. Yeah, and so I've always tried to like. Uh, look out for him and, yeah. and be kind of like, hey, here's a bunch of the mistakes that I've made. You know, That's actually, great. that that the last song on the last Thursday record, "Stay True," is is for Jeremy, like his hero for Jeremy. So sweet. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, when you can, it's really uh, it's a nice thing. It's a nice it's a nice <laughs> way to be a part of it, I guess. I mean, doing my own music, I don't get nervous because mm. I make my band rehearse until like. <laughs> None of us have to think about it. Yeah. And even on tour, I like to keep set lists fairly consistent because I think music is best when you don't have to think about it. I'm not a big like, uh, you know, change it up, play something new. It's like, no, like make it a ritual. Yeah. And then lose yourself in it and try and help the whole crowd lose yeah. themselves. So like mastery lets you have the emotion. In yeah, it, basically, exactly. Because it takes the logic out of it. But when I guessed with other people, I'm like a wreck. Well, yeah, because you're like, you know, it's like their thing and you're stepping into the frame. And sometimes they'll be like, just follow me for the change. It's a little different than the record. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. I can't follow you. Like, what What do you mean follow you? <laughs> like stare at whatever you're doing yeah. and just try. <laughs> yeah, I think it's cool that you like, that you do that. I don't know, like a lot of people who would just come out and just like, that even like for songs you're not on, just. Just doing like guest vocals and stuff. Oh yeah, dude, yeah. it's the best when you see like so and so brought out so and so. Like yeah. it's just yeah. so exciting. I remember like when we first when we first like followed each other online. I think it was in like 2014. I was like, it was when you're like tweeting how you like Clams Casino. I was like, oh, you like Clams Casino? Like, uh, you know, like my music. So I sent you a beat and like a a song that I made, and you just like tweeted it. You're like, yo, this song's pretty dope. Check, <laughs> check this guy out. And That's I was so like, sick. And that was like the first time any like musician that i looked up to like ever acknowledged like said this was good That's you know cool. so it was like a nice little like uh like like a little tap like yeah it's pretty good you should like you know yeah, yeah. so thank you for that because <laughs> i still kept making cool. music <laughs> yeah no that's awesome i love that i mean i i had a lot of people tapping me on the shoulder when i was younger mm -hmm. so i try to keep that going and pay it forward and also as a, a sober person in recovery um meant like doing service and, and encouraging other people to you know to do their thing is yeah. like such a big it's like a really good thing for me yeah you I know what like i mean you're, you're yeah. a huge like person that's all about like community and like you're not yeah. a very like me me guy you're very like like you're saying you're very we we guy yeah, we, <laughs> we 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 guy. guy i like that about you i think it's like not a lot of people are like that so that's yeah awesome. <laughs> good priority to have yeah, I think it also is like it's like a product of where you've grown up and stuff too. You know what I mean? I have some very close friends that I love a lot and I admire a lot who are not wee wee wee. Mm. And when I get to know them more, I kind of I get why. 
Like their family or like their yeah, background? Yeah, just yeah. like everything that's led them to the point where they're at now. Or they've had to probably like fiend for themselves or mm. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that and also just a distrust of people. Or, or not just having community. Of, yeah, not having it themselves and just kind of being like, I don't know. I've also, you know, part of my like community mindedness comes from like a deep insecurity about whether or not like I belong. Mm, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm an only child and like, so like belonging to me is more important than being good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, my therapist actually just like has been encouraging me to find like new hobby or something to do with my time. And I was like, oh, you know, I uh, spent a lot of time with the elderly when I was young because I'm a pastor's kid. So I'm really comfortable mm. around them. Um, I want to start volunteering with them again. And he was straight up like, (laughs) it was just funny because if I summarize this, my therapist told me not to do too much volunteer work, but he was like, you have a tendency to give, I don't want the hobby that you create (laughs) to be giving too much away because that's what we're trying to get you to stop (laughs) doing Mm. so much. And I was like, damn, my therapist just told me not to help old people. That's kind of fucked (laughs) My therapist said actually fuck those old (laughs) Fuck the elderly. (laughs) Just let him die. So... Um, <laughs> Node Devotion is is back, you guys. Yeah, that's that's your other band that you have. Yeah, you started around twenty fifteen, twenty. I think we started around twenty fourteen. Yeah. And who's in that? Um, right now there's only three of us. It used there used to be six. The last record there were oh, six man. of us, and then half the band gone. Slim down. Slim down. <laughs> um, I'm the youngest one in the band, so you oh, know that's, wow. that's why. Uh, Not because we we didn't both say wow because you're old or anything. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's uh, but it's it's interesting when like the youngest guy in the band is is 43, the baby of the band. You know? Yeah, I really do um, like the first record. I'm happy it's back. I like I was looking for it like two months ago and it wasn't there, and it came back recently, and I was so stoked to listen to those songs again because they're so different. I yeah. forgot how different they are than Thursday. Yeah. And it's and it's like we were talking about before, these lyrics are more like they're more about like the typical like emo mm. stuff people yeah. would sing about. And I like that. It's like a new side of you that we haven't yeah. heard before. It's it's a well, you know what this is the thing too, is I try and like uh you know, when I was younger I wouldn't write about love or romance or any of those feelings at all because I hated the way other people of my peers sang about it. Mm. I really especially hated the stuff that like we would call like ex-boyfriend core where it's like, <laughs> like weird when, lyrics right. about like, like you know, killing I'll your girlfriend kill you if you do this to me and so I just always yeah Ugh. and then like I kind of just even hated like any lyrics about like about about girls yeah. it sucks because like when it's, I when I heard those lyrics as a 13 year old I was like yeah fuck that bitch. yeah exactly yeah. Well, it's well, like that's that's, why I hate them yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, now it's when not, I hear it I'm like, uh, I'm like yeah cringe, uh. cringe yeah. but I was the fucking people yeah. there you know it's yeah. really yeah. rare for it to be done in a way that Just stands up poetic to the test of time or like seems moral yeah well <laughs> you know when I was starting No Devotion I started thinking about like you know that's that's like the way I'm viewing it is is sort of like thrown out the baby with the bathwater a little bit and so I thought there were some interesting things and, and especially like if you've ever read like Hanif Abdurraqib um, he you know he writes about like he's got this thing what's the blog called oh jeez I can't remember the name of it but he writes about music a lot and oh yeah yeah he's talking about the cure and how like the cure is all about longing mm. and that like what he does is he catalogs like the distance between the way things are and the way that he wishes they were, you know, and, and things like that. And, and it really made me think, you know, there's a lot of different ways to talk about love. Yeah. And, um, and I wanted to try and explore it in a way that didn't feel 
um, like that. You know, it didn't feel exploitative. It didn't feel violent. It didn't, uh, you know, because I think... Didn't feel like you were angry at someone? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. You know, when we were starting No Devotion, uh, not only was I, like, deeply in love with my partner, but um, I was, you know, reading uh, A Lover's Discourse and thinking about, like, you know, the loved one and, you know, what that is and what it says about who you are, that you're in love, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. And so a lot of the No Devotion stuff is like a really like, it's like, it's not, <laughs> it's not wide. Yeah. It's very deep. Yeah. It's very narrow. And I yeah. think that's the same of what our audience is too. We don't have a big audience, but the people who get the record are like, this is amazing. I love this record. You so know what I mean? No Devotion is like your most devotional product mm-hmm. it's project yeah. with your most devoted and that's on purpose because like actually like the subconscious doesn't so this is part of the reason that i named it that is like the subconscious doesn't hear no mm. so like if you say no or don't do this or don't do this it's actually like your subconscious takes it as like do do it because it's actually being reinforced which yeah. is like a lot of why people say like don't use negative reinforcement because like your subconscious doesn't understand it at all so i thought like oh a band called No Devotion that's like literally a devotional to some, you know, to some feeling or state of mind Dang. or a person or a love. I know? thought I was just doing some wordplay. No, you're in it. it. Oh. You're on it. You got it. <laughs> I like, I like uh, the song 10,000 Summers, like the, yeah. in the verse, the vocals are super low, kind of like Johnny Cash type vibe. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> was just because of the key, but it kind of worked. Like so low in pitch? It. Yeah, it's like, it's like, like Leonard Cohen. Take your car, <laughs> but it won't run. <laughs> yeah. So we wait for the train, but never come. I was like, is that Jeff? <laughs> yeah. Is that my boy Jeff Cohen? Yeah. <laughs> I was also, um, you know, that first record. So the new one is called No Oblivion. It's like about not letting yourself fall into like a hole, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> the first record I was like blitzed on heroin while I was making it. So. There's stuff that I probably wouldn't have done except that I was so high. That so it, it was just kind was of like, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, like, this is the thing is, like, I don't think drugs always make for bad art. I think sometimes they can make for great art. But I was just not at the point where I was going to be making any art anymore if I didn't get sober. So. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. So, so you're, you're sober now? Five. It'll be five years in, uh, <clears throat> in November. Yeah, I, liked awesome. what, I liked what you said about... Um, I have one of my really close friends is sober and he recently told me a story about something he did unrelated to using. And he said, you know, after this happened, I didn't think it was a good choice. I called my sponsor cause it didn't feel like a sober thing to do. Yeah. Even though he wasn't related to using it all. And so oh, I, 100%, I liked yeah. what you said about community being a part of living sober and, and reaching out to people and stuff, because it's not just about like restricting your own access to substances. It's like, changing the way you think and live like keeping busy i guess with other things True. yeah we talked about the unstructured time yeah. a little before here like i really like planners and shit like oh that. yeah it's like oh my god it helps me so much because well i think part of the appeal sometimes is the ritual of yeah. doing that kind of stuff and it just like helps you stay I structured love ritual yeah same <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm starting to i'm starting to get into it I love when my I, I love when I have like something to do every night after I'm done with work. Like I was so excited for today because I was like, "Cool, we have a plan, we have a schedule. I know what I'm gonna do when." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anything you want to plug before we wrap up? I do think the new No Devotion record is is one of the When's best things I've out? ever done in my life. Um, Wait, I, I think it's September. I heard the single. I really liked it. Starlings. Yeah, I really yeah. love that song. Um, man, it's. 
it's a it's a very intense record it's like very ballady or oriented mm-hmm. and they're like these like sledgy doom cool. ballads sick hell yeah uh and the, that. the record's so intense that we actually had to cut it off at eight songs wow because if you we, we tried putting more songs on it and this one's just so dark and so such a heavy vibe <laughs> that it was like okay eight makes you feel like wow this might be like one of the best records i've ever heard nine makes you feel like dude these guys need to lighten up <laughs> they need <laughs> to lighten up out. a little bit yeah well, you're like balancing the yeah. weight on the scales yeah <laughs> and we had a couple like you know because the first record has like a lot of pop songs on it yeah. you know we had a couple of pop songs so we were like maybe we should throw a couple pop songs on and it like ruined, you know what I mean? It like yeah. needs to be this yeah. little tiny Cohesive. like disintegration by the creation. Like a like old tungsten cube. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's compressed. Yeah. yeah. So we, that's what we did. So we're excited Sick. for that. And probably, you know, like that band is cursed. So probably no one will hear it. <laughs> I mean, literally it's like. It's been, it's been a wild ride. Those guys last record, right? Like at their last band. Right. Singers in jail for the next 30 years. Like, Lost profits. People will never <laughs> listen to them oh, again. Yeah, yeah. And also like. People who would like No Devotion would not have liked Lost Profits. Well, it's right. such a different it's vibe. So yeah. different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how did how did you, how did this band come to be? Even <laughs> that's what I don't understand. Because you guys even like Thursday and Lost yeah. Profits, we wouldn't play together. Yeah. Hell no. no, it's not the same. Um, I know enough to know that. When they had that <laughs> catastrophic breakup, mm. I was at my friend's restaurant, which was the first Mission Chinese food on Orchard <gasps> Street. Oh yeah. And we were like hanging out, shooting the shit, and a friend of mine walked in, Karen. And we were talking for a few minutes. Like, she's always been in the mix. You know, she's a music person. Um, worked for Depeche Mode, worked for a bunch of people. And she was like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God, wait. You were part of the management team for Lost Profits. Like, you got to tell me what the hell happened. <laughs> Give me the like, tea. That is so insane. And she was like, you should sing for their new band. And I was like, do you think that I want to paint a target on my back? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, that's... I would never. And she's like, I'll just send you the songs that they're working on. I was like, you can send them to me, Karen. But like, I never liked them. I like those guys. <laughs> yeah. So you knew them. I knew Stu. I knew Mike. Like I said, those two guys, lovely. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really sorry this happened to them. That's right. tragic. It is, it is a horrible thing. Like legitimately. Yeah. And like all those guys have kids and stuff. It's like, it's a horrible, horrible thing horrible. that happened to them. But I was like, I would never, you know. And she's yeah. like, I'm just going to send them to you. And I didn't listen to them. I stayed true to my word. <laughs> and I was on tour with Vinny from I Am The Avalanche and Movie Life. And we were just driving around in a car, and I told him the story, and he was like, "Yo, play him for me." Listen to him, yeah. I yeah. Like, oh yeah, you want to record? Yeah. So we put it on, and it was tight. And after the first song, he's like, "Yo, would you give me Karen's number? <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna do it, so let me." And like, You're we like, listen no. to the other songs, and I was like, "Oh shoot, <laughs> this is so good, and not what I expected at all." Yeah. Because some of the songs ended up on the first record, yeah. and uh, and so we just. We rolled with it that way, and I ended up putting out the record, and we were getting all this airplay in the UK, and it was like really going well. We were selling out our first few shows and stuff, and then the day that the record came out, the label collapsed from another controversy (laughs) that we don't even have time to get into probably, (laughs) but the label collapsed. The the record falls out of print. Damn. We win album of the year after the the, in the UK after the label no longer exists, and nobody could listen. And we didn't know who had the rights to it. It was like one of those, it was just a nightmare. It wasn't even on streaming services. Like it was literally nowhere. Nowhere. And so uh, finally we got the rights to the record back and we made another one and we're putting it out. And I fall off, we're supposed to have our first four shows, the band again. I fall off the stage and break my leg and need surgery. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) 
then we finally get it rescheduled for the end of the year instead of the beginning of the year go out on tour i get sick oh yeah it's just like one of those things it's like yeah so did you get to play any shows since we after played two COVID? okay but like where I were they so sick we now i'm nervous for you Saint but Vitus. this album is coming out. yeah but this is the thing is like i keep thinking like i don't know I think it's just the price of making a record that I love this much mm. is that it's going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's a, sometimes you got to give a little, you got to give a little, a yeah. little blood, sweat and tears, you know. Before we go, first of all, obviously, uh, you sign this. Oh, yeah. What is it? I'll oh. sign it. Oh, you got to get signed. What records? I've never seen that one. I don't know. He's got to sign the outside. <laughs> I think this, it's pretty oh, yeah. good. It's by this, I don't know, this band. No one really knows that. Oh, you got a silver Sharpie, too. You were, like, thinking ahead about the colors. It's just the only marker I had. Oh, that's oh, yeah. perfect. All right. There you go. You know how to... <laughs> You're not a right name? right? Is it double N? Yeah. yeah. It is, right? See, yeah. I got it. I just get nervous because I've done it wrong so many <laughs> I times. I straight up thought you were asking him if he knew how to write his I own I was. <laughs> Because there was a pause there. Uh, <laughs> man, it's been a pleasure talking to you. There's also one more thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. We're not done yet. Oh, wait. Right. Oh, I thought Good. it was way later than it We're, was. I mean, we are we are done, but I wanted to talk about this, too. I forgot I brought this. So you guys did oh, something yeah. cool over COVID. Check us out. Yeah. Oh, I know. This is yeah. the band's logo from the Wikipedia That's article. Right. Oh, you got one of the ones that was printed on the bottom. Yeah, the first ones. That's cool. I don't. I've never seen this before. That worked. Do you they want him to look sign good it? like that. <laughs> Do you want him to sign no. your? Mask? I just wanted breathe, to talk about uh, a yeah. cool thing you guys did during COVID. Yeah, was you guys, uh, you guys took your merch shirts and turned them into masks. Oh, that's right. And it's to raise money merch. for that's right. for the uh, essential workers. What essential workers in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's yeah. great, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, I that was quite a process, man. Let me tell you, because we started. I can see it, but. Oh yeah, hold it up. We started converting our merch, mm. uh, and then OSHA changed the guidelines on it. Oh. oh, so we still were able to get them converted, but they weren't allowed to be used by the essential workers anymore. Mm. But we had already like pledged. Yeah. So we decided to sell those to oh, to manufacture yeah. masks for fans, and then all the proceeds to that would go to the essential workers. So, so I got the ones from the t-shirts. I think you got the actual legit, like we manufactured nice. those. Oh, yeah. nice. But even that was so hard because, uh, like, people wanted masks. Yeah, it so was, it was a really boom. hard to find somebody to. But um, but actually, I think we were one of the first ones from a band to do it That's because sick. we ended up getting a lot of coverage that we probably wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Rolling Stone and Esquire and stuff like that. Which I feel like if if we weren't one of the first ones, <laughs> right. they'd be like, also Thursday. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like also Thursday did this. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, so I guess we could wrap it up. It's too bad we did it though for a disease that doesn't exist. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, okay, let's add a few we hours. Al- we almost uh, got done with the podcast without me throwing Sunny under the bus. Get but this I guy out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can still cut this part if you That's need to. So, funny. I love <laughs> it. so, what are your thoughts on the vaccine? Oh my god. <laughs> I do know that when I had a can, we had to cancel a show mm. because I got sick. I got a pneumonia, and we didn't say anything about COVID or whatever. We just were like Jeff's too sick to. Yeah, it's been years. It's been like fifteen years since I was too sick to to play. Yeah. but I was like coughing up blood. There's just no way it was gonna happen, you know. So I was home, and like we just posted like, yeah, uh, due to one of the members being too sick, like we have to cancel this show. And there's <laughs> this guy like 
this guy, like every comment that's like, this is, oh, I guess you think you're so fucking woke now. What? For being <laughs> like, ill? And he just like kept on like telling everybody to go fuck themselves that we were so woke and that like. Because you couldn't play because you're sick. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? Like, uh, <laughs> sick. Like, <laughs> cool. Has nothing to do with like politics. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, you really. Illness. Yeah, I was like, Stupid libtard. Now that you came in here and, and told me that I was a woke piece of shit, I, I changed my ways and now I can play on Saturday because I'm not sick. <laughs> yeah, anymore. that was the like, medicine you needed. Yeah, you, as like, if you, you got me. As if like you don't want to play the show or something. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> yeah, it's only a New Jersey show, which are always like the most amazing shows for us. Like, yeah. mm. I'd really like to cancel it because I'm woke. <laughs> whatever that even means at this point it's ridiculous um all right well thanks a lot jeff you really yeah you Th- thanks a lot jeff you really brought us down at the end of the <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming i'm like so happy i'm able to talk to you and get you here dude this is come on sunny's podcast and didn't even get to talk about memes at all hell yeah oh, sure. but i'll tell you what though we could talk we'll have about an episode it. Too. i do kind of want to talk about memes a little it. bit let's talk about it and i want to tell you why yes because I was talking to uh, Jen Pelly, who is one of the writers at Pitchfork, mm-hmm. uh, and her sister also, Liz Pelly, is a writer at Pitchfork too. They wrote some really amazing pieces. A lot of the like reporting, uh, the investigative reporting about Spotify and how they pay artists and oh, stuff, yeah. right. came from the Pelly sisters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was at like Basilica Soundscape or one of those festivals, oh, yeah. you know, and uh, she said something to me which is that memes are the new movies that like memes are more powerful as social currency than movies which i thought was very interesting i i don't think she's completely far off there i mean just based on the way i mean he's obviously the expert but the changing shape of people's attention spans it would just make sense and her case study was personal because she had been a meme because her and her twin sister had a meme that was like, the meme was like, when you go to school dressed as your twin sister and take her photo for her. And it was like, one was like preppy and the other one was like a metalhead goth like girl. (laughs) But it was clearly her in both pictures. It wasn't her and her twin. (laughs) And that became a meme. And she said that like, she had written some, she had done all this other stuff. She had published books and whatever. But that was the thing. But when she would go to parties, kids would freak out and ask for her autograph because they recognized her from the meme. That's crazy. Yeah, and it was like a cultural thing. So if memes are the new movies, what, I want to know your opinion, which director is Sonny? I've got, I've got my my own, I've got my own theory. That's a really good question. I mean, there's like a touch of absurdism, right? Like, but it's also palatable to a wide audience. Uh-huh. Is it like a is it like an insult to say Wes Anderson? No. Like, oh wow, I was thinking Scorsese. Oh, I mean, obviously you're like yeah, a, that, that a legend. That's way cooler. <laughs> but like, I was just gonna say it's like you know a little weirdness. Yeah, but very like acceptable by most people. Cool. Yeah. I was also kind of thinking Scorsese's um, way cooler. If we yeah, got to go younger generation, because he's also sort of like. With the way things move so fast, he's also sort of OG. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm like a grandfather at this point. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely you're like too, grandfathered in. You're too like old in the scene the, to be yeah. Wes Anderson. Yeah, right. Or even because like I was kind of style wise, there's something that reminds me of of um, who's the director of um like the Florida Project? Oh, I can't remember his name. Um, and also amazing. Tangerine. Tangerine and the new one was Red Rocket. Oh yeah, I can't remember his name. Let's see. But there's a little bit of like his yeah. style and what you yeah, do. Yeah, for sure. You know. 
What what is that? What if I was just like Werner Herzog? <laughs> who is the <laughs> Werner Herzog? Who is the Werner Herzog of memes? That's like, I'm going to be obsessed with that for the next I couple know. days. I want it, I want it to be it though. That's like my goal. <laughs> Who's the director? Let's find it. Let's see. Oh, Sean Baker. Sean Baker, that's yeah. it. He's mm. he's cute. He's got like there's pictures of him with an emo haircut actually. Man. Yeah, that I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, sick. laughs> yeah. I love I Willem Dafoe. Man. Uh, yeah, Willem Dafoe's the jam. I hope one day I can be uh, a movie director or something. Yeah. But I guess maybe one day a movie director is gonna want to be me. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Young movie directors be like, oh, Scorsese's gonna I'm hit like me the up, sunny like, side up of you. movies. <laughs> we need you for the for the for the for the memes. For the Irishman two <laughs> <laughs> meme edition. <laughs> the Irishman two did, I mean Irishman, did you watch that movie? I did. I thought it was funny that like the faces, man. Oh god. They used a building in my neighborhood, um, in it, I guess. It's a really expensive restaurant now. It was a little uncanny valley for me. Yeah. Where, like, I just couldn't stop thinking, like, look at that dude's face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. all the, like, fake faces glowed a little. Did you notice Yeah, that? they were a little effervescent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Legolas. They all looked like Legolas. They, they had Legolas skin. They were a little, they were all little schmeagel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Damn. I've been, I've been watching that show. Uh, you ever watch Better Call Saul? It's great. You watch, you're, like, up to date. I'm a little behind. Oh my god, shit is nuts. I how many seasons are there now? Six. I have oh, a little hard I'm time. I'm way with too the far. Behind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm the like, Cinnabon I season was tough for me. I I like sputtered in there a little. Oh bit. no, it wasn't a season. It was just like oh, you're saying like when they when they show like the intro. You know what that is though, right? When they show that, when they show him at Cinnabon. What do you mean? That's him after a break. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So now there there wasn't. They were just showing like in the intro, like the cold opens. But like that was like that was just a little tough for me. Yeah, how come? It's a couple of those episodes. Just watching I don't know. Him just well, the whole know. point is like showing him that he's like sad and. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that. I think I have enough of that in my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, you guys, did you guys ever watch House of Cards? Remember that show on Netflix? I, I did watch House of Cards. And yes. uh, I don't know guy. what happened. Like the I was just in man. a like What's mental his name? Kevin, Spacey? Kevin Spacey. The bad man. I don't know if I was just in like in a particularly mentally bad place, but like. I watched, there was one episode of that show that I watched and I like, it tripped me out beyond belief. Like I couldn't really watch TV at night anymore for a while. It scared me so bad. Just like sometimes TV or a movie will do that. That's oh, how yeah. Liza was with um, Euphoria. Mm, before yeah. bed, you can't watch certain things before bed. She couldn't, the episode where like Rue can't pee. Yeah. She was like, this is giving me really bad yeah flashbacks to our life together like before you got sober yeah bad feelings <laughs> yeah i mean it's like it's hard because it speaks to like the power of of the work or whatever but it doesn't yeah. mean that you can hack it no i remember when i was a kid my dad took me to see hotel rwanda at the like uh, independent movie theater in my town and i was like this is amazing like i've never seen a movie like this this is incredible. And I asked for it on DVD for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Not realizing that like, that's not really a movie that you rewatch over and over. Like it's a tough yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt about this. This song came out last week. This band chat pile. Have you heard about them? Yet? Mm -mm. Kind of like a noisy amphetamine reptile, like Jesus lizard type band. Yeah. Kind of, kind of weird band, but they have a song called why. And it's just him like screaming at the top of his lungs. Like, why do people have to live outside? Damn. Like, hell yeah. And like, it's kind of weird because it makes you sort of uncomfortable and like you almost want to laugh because it's so, it's such a like, yeah. it's so direct, but yeah. it's also kind of, it's just something that's like, yeah, dude, you're not the first person to ever think of like homelessness being bad. Yeah. But also it's like, 
it's so real. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's hard to like know what emotional reaction to have because on one hand yeah. you're like, all right, what's the solution though? And on the other hand, you're like, yeah, it just feels good to be mad about this. Yeah. Yeah. To hear somebody actually like appropriately upset about yeah. it. Yeah. And then I listened to it and was like, okay, that's art. Yeah. And then I played it for my parents and I was like, I don't want to listen to this ever again. <laughs> this makes me feel terrible. Dude, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> I have something that I think is just like so incredible and like I, I, I went through like a bad time about a year and a half ago. I stayed with my mom for 10 days and she was letting me choose the movie every night, which I, all my favorite <laughs> movies are extremely bleak. Yeah. And so the first two nights we watched like whatever I wanted, like we were watching like, you know, doomed love, like portrait of a lady on fire or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the third night she was like, can we watch something like a little lighter than usual? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I picked um that documentary about, uh, people living in the villages and the retirement community in Florida. And I was like, this is not so, this is like a beat for me. And at the end, my mom was just like, what the fuck, Rachel? <laughs> like, why can't you? Awesome. So sometimes when you share something with your parents, you're like, oh, hmm. This Have you like- gotten down with Bellatar yet? Mm-mm. Oh, this is a director you should check out. Okay. Famous for a seven and a half hour movie called Satan Tango. Hell yeah. Jesus. I mean, the director is legit a genius. Okay. But it's Hell also yeah. bleak. Eastern European. I like that. I'm into that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.